0: Well, we are talking about this timeline, right about the time that Jesus is born. But 700 years before the first century when he was born, there were prophecies that were spoken about him. The prophet Isaiah, uh, you've probably heard these verses if you ever went to church anytime near Christmas. You've heard these prophecies. Isaiah says in chapter 7 of his letter, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means literally God with us. Isaiah also says a couple chapters later, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Prince of peace of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this that was 700 years before jesus was ever born 600 years before he was born jeremiah tells us behold the days are coming And we come back to the time that we are talking about, first century Israel. And if you were with us last week, we talked about the birth of John the Baptist. We're going to take a step just ever so slightly back from when John the Baptist was born, when his mother Elizabeth was still pregnant with him about six months along in in her pregnancy. And then at that point, the angel Gabriel had given the news to Zechariah and Elizabeth that they were going to miraculously have a child. But before their child is born, this is just after the scripture that we talked about last week. So John the Baptist is born just before that a few months. An angel comes to a young woman and delivers her a message. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 as our main text today. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 verse 26 through 38. It might be familiar to you, but I hope that we can unpack some things that maybe you haven't thought about before luke chapter 1 verse 26 in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy the angel gabriel was sent from god to a city of galilee named nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was joseph of the house of david and the virgin's name was mary and he came to her and he said greetings O favored one the lord is with you And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, pretty good question. How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called holy, the son of God. Just a quick interjection. I love that little verse, 35, because you see the entire Trinity in action. The the Most High, the Holy Spirit, and the Son are all there. Verse 36, And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Can we even begin to understand how unbelievable this moment must have been for this young woman? She has to be terrified. But her reaction is, Let it be according to your word. That's pretty amazing. Bible scholars who study the Bible and the culture at the time tell us that Mary was probably no more than 13 to 15 years old when this took place. At the very most, she was 17. And this angel comes and delivers this message to her. Now, a 17-year-old girl, or even younger than that, in the first century Israel was very different than it is now. They have spent their entire lives preparing to be wives and to get married. That still doesn't mean that she wasn't extremely young and extremely scared. She's lived her entire life waiting in expectancy to become a wife and eventually a mother. But this angel's message is not what she was expecting to hear. And as the, Mary is, as the angel is talking to Mary, a few things jump out to me. We've talked about this a bunch if you've been in our church for a while. I love over 300 times the Word of God tells us, do not be afraid. Don't live your life in fear. And the angel says, don't be afraid. And we read this all the time, but we've also read that every time an angel appears to someone, what's the first thing they do? They get very afraid. Because as I've said many times, angels aren't chubby babies with wings. Angels are terrifying, divine creatures that people kind of freak out when they see. And so he comes and he says, do not be afraid. Mary is in what I'm sure is the scariest conversation of her life. And the angel says, don't live in fear. For God is with you. There's another statement that really jumps out to me. He says, you have found favor with God. Can you imagine that you're a young teenager and an angel of God comes to you and says, God's been watching you, specifically watching you. That would have scared the junk out of me. I'm like, are you sure me? Like I, I would prefer to not think about God watching everything I do as a teenager. And yet the angel comes and says, God has been paying attention and you have found favor with him. That's a beautiful thing. I'm huh? glad I found favor, but, but why is God watching me? Another statement. He says, you're going to have this baby, and his name is going to be Jesus. Which literally means, Jehovah is Savior. There is no confusion about how important this child will be. The angel says, his name is is Savior. And so she knows exactly what she's being called to. She understands that this is the fulfillment of all the prophecies that we just read from Isaiah and Jeremiah and more of them. The angel is saying, this is the one. This is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. This is the Son of the Most High God. But then, another thing jumps out, and we already talked about it a little bit, but if you read this story, you're going to have a pretty huge question, right? How? She's a virgin. She says, how, how am I going to have a child? How is it even remotely possible that Mary is going to be pregnant? She's never had a physical relationship with a man, and so she asks the question that anybody would ask, but the angel's answer is, is incredible because he answers in a very different way because she says how and his answer is who. She says how is it possible and he says no, 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 it's not how, it's who. The angel tells Mary that the Holy Spirit of God will cause all of this to happen. The Holy Spirit of God will come upon her and God will overshadow her and she will be pregnant. It is God who brings the miraculous to life. The same God that created everything from nothing in the beginning of time, and yet somehow we find it hard to believe that a virgin can be pregnant. And verse 37 kind of encapsulates all of this. I love it. He says, For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. We need to see this truth in our own lives. We talked last week about the disappointments that we have in life and maybe there's some massive disappointment in life that you're still struggling with. Do you know and believe that God could step in and change that in a moment? If it was what was right for you, if it was, was right in his plan for you, it's not about how, because we get caught up in this. How is this going to happen? How am I going to do this? How is, how is God going to take care of this? And the whole time we shouldn't be asking how we should be asking who is in control And that's the angel's answer to Mary. It's not about how can this happen. It's about the fact that nothing is impossible with God. The same Holy Spirit that put a baby in a virgin womb is the Holy Spirit that dwells in the hearts of all of us who love Jesus. And he's at work in all of us and nothing is impossible With him, a young girl getting pregnant with a perfect child that would save the world is impossible, but not with God. An older, barren woman and her husband finally conceiving a child that would prepare the way for the Savior is impossible without God. Beating the addiction that you are struggling with on your own power is impossible but it's not with God. Healing a broken marriage feels impossible, but is it beyond the power of the Most High God? You were hurt, abused, abandoned, or mistreated by somebody that you thought you could trust, and it feels like there's no way you can ever heal from this because it's impossible unless God does something miraculous in you. You suffered the loss of somebody that you loved. And there's no earthly way that you will ever feel whole again without them. It's impossible. Unless God does something incredible. God has never been on his heels concerning us. He's never been shocked by anything that's happened in our life. and said, oh no, I don't know what to do now. With him, nothing is impossible. And so, back to this impossible story, Mary is struggling a bit to understand how any of this is possible. And the angel says it's the very Spirit of God that is working in your body. Then we find out Elizabeth, who we talked about last week, is actually Mary's relative. And the angel points to the miraculous pregnancy of Elizabeth, an older woman that should definitely not be pregnant because she's been barren for decades. And then he kind of points her and says, you want to see some evidence of how God can do the impossible? Look at your relative, Elizabeth. She's six months pregnant. It's proof for Mary. I love this. We don't talk about this, but Mary is struggling to wrap her brain around this. And the angel gives her just this little nugget. Your cousin, your, your, your relative, Elizabeth, the one who has been struggling her whole life, her womb has been open. Go and see her. See the power of God. And at this, Mary humbly says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Truly an amazing answer. I want to say this, just as kind of an aside. I was raised in the Catholic Church. And and I don't... There are brothers and sisters, so I don't want to talk bad. But, but there is a major thing. If you grew up in the Catholic Church mary is not just respected which we should we should respect her she was chosen by god to be the to be the mother of jesus but she has been elevated to this position of being worshiped and prayed to and that does not we don't see that in the word of god it's purely based on the tradition of the church there is no scripture that backs it and i imagine that when we get to heaven one day mary is going to be like yeah that that kind of got out of hand a little bit Um, we are we are only called to pray to jesus god right nobody else so i don't mean to speak disrespectfully at all to our brothers and sisters they love the lord but that is not scriptural and anytime somebody starts telling you you should pray to angels you should pray to mary you should pray to saints that is not biblical The Word of God tells us there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. He is our Redemptor. He is our Savior, Him alone. I love the next thing that happens in this story, because Mary heard what the angel says, but now she goes to kind of check on his intel, right? She goes, and it tells us she goes to visit Elizabeth in verse 39 of Luke chapter 1 in those days Mary arose and went with haste yeah you would think so into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary the baby John leapt in her womb Another side note, notice that when John's in her womb, what's he called? A baby. Not a fetus, not a clump of cells, a baby. Okay, I'm not going off that tangent right now. Okay. It tells us that Mary goes to Elizabeth... But Elizabeth is not just down the road. Elizabeth is about 100 miles away. And so Mary makes this journey, and she doesn't have a car. At best, she's got a camel. The angel gives her this amazing news, and she says, i got to check on this. She goes 100 miles, and she greets Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is there, and John leaps within his mother's womb. It's such a cool connection here to me, because John the Baptist was not only the voice that would prepare people for the ministry of Jesus 30 years later, his birth was the miracle that would prepare Jesus' mother for her unexpected pregnancy. It was the, the proof, the, the, just the little thing from God that she needed to see like, yes, nothing is impossible. And so he's the forerunner for Jesus, not just 30 years later, but even as a child, he is the forerunner. And there's another lesson here. Just a side note kind of too is God will always put somebody in your life who's a little further down this path than you are. And we need to seek those people out. Because often we're kind of in this moment like, God, I don't, I don't understand this. And we need people in our lives who have said, okay, I, I've been through that. And God's going to bring you through it. Mary is just coming to terms with what God is calling her to do. And so God gives her Elizabeth, who's a little further down this miraculous pregnancy route than her, to encourage her to be somebody who understands somewhat what she's going through. God gives us mentors and people who can speak into our lives, people who understand our lives and our struggles. And there's always going to be people who have walked this path that you were on Cause God created us for one another in the very beginning. He said, it's not good for men to be alone. He created us for community. It's been one of the beautiful things about seeing that men's tree is seeing these guys like, actually, I don't know if you know this, men do have feelings and, and they do have thoughts and ideas <laughs> and, and to see them actually like talk to each other pretty miraculous all by itself. After Mary spends a little bit of time with Elizabeth, we finally get to hear what's going on in her head and in her heart. It's once Elizabeth acts as a confirmation to the message that the angel spoke to Mary that we get to see the outpouring of some of her feelings. Luke one forty six through 55 is a group of scriptures that has become known as the Magnificat, which is, comes from the word Magnifies. And in this group of scriptures, Mary, this young woman who has been blessed, she just begins to magnify God, to give all of the praise to God. She takes scriptures from all over the Old Testament. She starts to string them together, which is pretty incredible, considering most likely as a young woman in the first century, she can't read. And so the only way for her to have all of these things in her mind that she can string together these scriptures is if, her parents have raised her to know the word of God. To memorize scripture, to, to have it be a part of her heart at the core of her being. And that's just another no, is let's raise our children to know the word of God. To hold these things close to their heart and to always have it within them. That even when they come to a part of their life like Mary is, where they are very confused and don't know what to do next, one of the first things that comes to their minds is the scriptures that have been put into them from the time that they were children. Now I want to say one thing that has gotten me in trouble before, but I'm going to say it again because I believe it. And if you've done this in the past, don't take this as shame, but please don't use the word of God as a punishment for your children. I speak to you as somebody who was a a youth pastor for 15 years. Don't, if your kid tells a lie, don't make them right. Thou shalt not lie a thousand times. That is not going to give them a love for the word of God. You can share the scripture with them. You can pour it into them. You can pray it over them. But as soon as you start using the word of God as a punishment, I don't think it's a good thing. It's kind of like when people ask me why I don't like running. I was a football player and a wrestler and a baseball player. Running was always punishment for doing something bad. So I have no part of me that's like, that sounds fun. No, I got screamed at, go run a lap. Like, no, I don't want to do that. Don't use the word of God as a punishment. Use it as a blessing in your kids' lives. Back to Mary's reaction, the magnificent. If you have your Bible, Luke Chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She begins to just praise God for everything that he is doing and everything that he has done. She brings glory and magnification to the Lord. And when Mary is faced with this insanely huge call from the Lord, she replies... By blessing him. And not getting so caught up in her current circumstances. But instead relying on what God has done. Remembering his faithfulness. And this is an example for us. When we are scared. Confused. When times are difficult. We remember the faithfulness and glory of God. In all of our lives. Nobody. Would have blamed Mary for just freaking out a little bit. Nobody would have blamed her if she just kind of lost it and said, I can't do this. But instead she just begins to focus (coughs) on the Lord. I want to talk about this. There are times in our lives when a blessing doesn't feel like a blessing. Have you ever had that? Something happens in your life, and you're like, this does not feel like a blessing. Because the angel comes, says, you found favor with God, you're going to be called blessed. But for her in that moment, it probably doesn't feel like a blessing. It's going to cause all kinds of craziness in her life. Her fiance is going to wonder what's going on. Joseph was actually going to break off his engagement and leave her until God sent a dream to him not to do so. It makes everybody in her neighborhood, in her city, look down upon her because they think that she's lying. They think she's a liar. They think that she is a shameful person. Even far beyond this story, for the next 33 years people are going to talk behind her back. Oh, look there's Mary, the girl that got pregnant with the Holy Spirit. There's people just thinking that she was a harlot. Joseph probably becomes the joke of his friends. They think he's either a liar and he got married pregnant, or he's some schmuck who's believing a story from his fiance. There are times in our lives when a blessing could not look like anything less like a blessing. But despite our own understanding and our small frame of perspective, God is working in all things. God's blessings can be complicated. If you read through the whole scriptures, you'll see this. When God tells the Jewish people to go to the promised land, when they finally get there, they're surprised to find there's already people there. And they have to fight for the blessing. They don't get to just go lay hold of it. They've got to battle for it. When God blesses Daniel with the ability to interpret dreams and be a phenomenal leader, it eventually lands him in a literal den of lions. God blesses Jonah and says, you're going to be a prophet to my people. And then he sends them to the group of people that he hates more than anybody in the world, the people that he wants to die. And God says, go tell them the good news. And he says, I don't want to. That story is where I came up with the term Stinky fish blessing. That's what I call these blessings that don't feel like blessings. They're the stinky fish blessing. God, you've blessed me. Okay, now I'm inside a fish. What happened? The disciples are blessed to be called to personally follow Jesus, to live daily life with him for three years, and to witness all of the wonders of his public ministry. And in the end, it costs them their jobs, some of them their families, their comfort, time in prison, and eventually all but one of them are killed for their faith. God personally shows up and calls the Apostle Paul to be a Gentile evangelist, to spread the gospel, to plant churches and raise leaders and write letters and all of these things, and in return Paul is beaten, whipped, flogged, stoned, shipwrecked, and eventually killed. The blessings don't always feel like what we would call a blessing. But most of us can see this in our own lives. It often takes a long time for us to see the way that God has blessed us. I think back in my own life, and nine years ago, I was working at a church in Oregon where I grew up and I had the job that I thought was my dream job that I had literally longed to have since I was in high school. And then suddenly the whole church fell apart and I got laid off and I had no idea what was happening. And if you would ask me then, like, does this feel like a blessing? I would have laughed in your face. No, this feels like a curse. Now, nine years later, I can look and I can see how God brought us through this journey that we've been on, that I get to pastor this church and live in one of the most beautiful places in the world and have some of the most amazing people that I've ever known in my life. It was a blessing that felt like a stinky fish for quite a while. I have a friend back in Oregon who once told me that going to jail was the best thing that ever happened to him. I was talking about Philippians one time in a Bible study. And I, and I said, Look, listen to this guy, Paul, talking about jail being a good thing. And, and my friend said, yeah, jail's the best thing that ever happened to me. Because before I went to jail, I was an alcoholic and I was living for myself and I had lost everything. And then God got a hold of me when I was in jail. He looks back on jail as one of the greatest blessings of his life. I think it's the case for us far more than we realize. In the next text, in the text that we are reading today, the blessing is not making life easier for Mary or for Joseph or for their families. It's making their life more complicated. And as they prepare to have this baby, things get even more complicated. I, I think Joseph doesn't get talked about enough in this story because Joseph is just this guy who's like hanging out, being like, I'm excited, I'm going to get married to a beautiful young woman. And then all this stuff happens. If you have your Bible, you can flip back a couple books to Matthew. Matthew tells us Joseph's side of this story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Do not fear, there's those words again, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. This might sound familiar to you. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Look at this guy. Says he's says he's a good man. He, he doesn't want to bring shame upon her. He, he hears this, and I'm sure his heart is broken because in his head, before he has this dream, he's like, man, she cheated on me. My whole life is falling apart. And then an angel comes and gives him a dream. And he's like, okay, so you're telling me I have to like just kind of ride this out and get married to a pregnant girl and become a laughing stock to my friends and people looking bad on her. He's going through all of these things. I don't think he gets enough credit in this story for stepping up and just saying like, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to do my part. Next week, we're going to finally talk week five in the Gospels, we will finally get to the birth of Jesus. But this week, I hope you will find some time to spend with the Lord and think and pray about a few things. Has there been a time in your life when God called you to do something that scared the living daylights out of you? I've moved across the country twice, Because God said, this is the next step, right? Maybe you've got something far bigger than that. Maybe you moved across the world to do something that God called you to do. Maybe you just went through something so painful and God said, I'm in this with you. But ask yourself this question. If you've done that, if you've had one of those stinky fish blessings or one of those terrifying things, how did it turn out for you? Were you left wanting afterwards? Or did God show himself to be faithful again and again? Have there been times in your life where a blessing did not feel like a blessing at all? How did God then reveal to you the truth that it was a blessing in your life the whole time? Or are you in some kind of situation like that now? And you can kind of look at it and you say, God, I can see how you might use this to bless me, but right now it just hurts. It's just painful. Can you endure through until you know God will get you to that place where you see the blessing? I hope that all of us can look back on those times when we went through things. Many things very, very difficult but now we can see exactly what God was building in us and we can learn to trust him more when we find ourselves in those positions again because so often God is training us for the things that we will endure. Training us for how we can... Help others who are going through those things when we are the ones who are a little further down that path. That's been one of the greatest blessings of my life, even though I think I've shared this before. There's been times in my life where I've gotten angry with God and said, God, I don't want this testimony. I don't want to be able to help people that have gone through this. And yet God has used it again and again and again. What are those things in your life that you can identify and say, God, I've gone through this and you've, You've shown me that it's a blessing, or God, I'm going through this, and I I know that it probably will be a blessing, but it doesn't feel like it right now. I finally, get to that place, so God. I I'm still not sure. I was happy that I went through that, but I see how you've blessed me or blessed others through me, because He always does. Let's pray.